Hello, welcome back to the Trister DJ Nova Trista for the Bernitor Show. Welcome back. Thank you for 10,000 plus listeners, followers, subscribers on all social media. Shout out to KAMP Student Radio at the University of Arizona. And KPYT. Pasquayaki Travel Radio on the Rezo Trista Show. Um, in the streets, which, you know, in some states will be happening, um, to have Facebook report on people who supposedly are going traveling to get an abortion. It's like, this is the handmaid's tale. We're living in it, people. It doesn't happen uh, like a movie. It happens just like this. And here we are. Here we are. And and what I think a lot of um, people aren't getting yet, uh, because some people may think this doesn't apply to them, um, rich people, if you if you have an ectopic pregnancy in Alabama, you can't jump on your private jet because you need to go to the emergency room. Right. And guess what? They're not going to treat you. You know, so I think it's it's very important to help people understand just the totality mm. of what's been taken away from us and go after, I mean, this also drives me crazy and I hope the Democrats stop doing it. Forget about the white guy in the diner in the mid Midwest. You right, know? right. We need to go after anybody who voted for Donald twice is a waste of time. I agree. Right. Go after suburban women. Go after people who don't vote because they feel that they've been disenfranchised and they're they're not part of the system. And that does give us because you know what's fascinating? Like they put everything on the table because I think you know they overstepped just like Donald just overstepped. Right. And it's right. And we need to keep that front and center and let them play defense for a change. I agree. We have to do that. And, you know, to motivate these women, young women, you know, they're out there kicking ass, so proud of these young college-age kids and even younger with their signs protesting at the Supreme Court. It gives me such hope, you know, and we have to get our right to reproductive freedom back, and we're going to fight until we do. And remember, it's not just about, like, any woman. I don't care how old you are. I don't know. care if you can still have children or not. You are a second-class citizen yes. because a right has been taken away from you. And, you know, we go to Alabama, we're not fully-fledged American citizens anymore. And I think it's important to put it in that context as well. Uh, Rosie, I, I want to talk really quickly but I just about your, your new project. Oh, that's um, okay, honey. Sorry. Are you sure? You mentioned oh, it at the okay. beginning. It's fine. Oh, okay. Well, I just want to let everybody know that it's uh, American Gigolo. It's premiering in September, right? Yeah, September 9th on um, Showtime. And for those of you who are Gen Xers, uh, it's based on the movie with Richard Gere, which That's, I snuck into. Ooh, I wasn't wow. quite old enough. Yeah, I wasn't quite old enough for that one either, but I did see it in, in later years. And, you know, it's a very interesting film. It takes place now 20 years later, and I'm the cop that arrested him, and we find the real killer, and he gets out of jail. Mm -hmm. And so I try to get him to help me find out who did it, who set him up. And that's the premise. And I play a cop, and it's a pretty good show. I can't wait. I'm really excited. And Rosie, I'm, I'm also, I'm so grateful for your voice because you've been 
probably the most consistent, um, not just critic of Donald, but person who understands the, the significance of allowing somebody like him to get away with it and to gain power. Yes. Um, a, you know, a lot of people didn't see that, and you've been on this for much longer than either one of us would. Well, since we were both kids and we saw him for the corrupt little, you know, used car salesman he is. Yeah. He never fooled the people of New York. New York never welcomed him. He was never the toast of the town. You know, he was uh, somebody that we all saw through. And now, you know, chicken's coming home to roost for him. So Hopefully. we'll see what happens. One can only hope. Uh, I am so grateful that you're here. I cannot wait to see you. Everybody, Rosie and I are going to be in San Francisco together in October. I'm so yes, excited indeed. about that. We've never met in person before, which is weird. Although I think, were you at uh, his wedding to Marla? Yes. Were you there so too? I was too, but we didn't meet. Uh, yeah, I, I didn't was, stay long. I, <laughs> I was. I was watching. Remember when he walked down the aisle and he shook everyone's hand? <laughs> was like, what is he doing? This is his wedding, but whatever. Oh, it's always a rope line for Donald. Yeah, exactly. Can I say? Well, anyway. thanks, Mary. Thanks for having me. And ever, anytime you want me, call me up. So hopefully, again, there are going to be more hearings and, and you can... Uh, totally, I'll jump in. All right, fantastic. It was wonderful to see you. And, uh, Good to see I'll, you, too. I'll, I'll see, see you soon. soon. All, All right. right. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye. <laughs> Well, that was amazing. Uh, Rosie O'Donnell uh, is just one of a kind. Uh, she's a great human being, and I'm seriously grateful that she was here uh, to spend some time with us tonight. Uh, thank you all for listening um, and for your comments. It's always great to have you here and engaged. Uh, just a reminder that we will have our Tuesday strategy session at 12 p.m. Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific. That's on youtube.com slash Politicon with my nerd adventures. Uh, we're still trying to figure out if I'm Nick Fury or Black Widow. Um, but that's a conversation for another time, and I have no idea what either of those things means. So I, I'm going to count on Wash to figure that out for me. Uh, and then, obviously, next week, we'll have our regular Thursday night uh, interview show. That's at 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific. Also, YouTube.com slash Politicon. And while you're on Politicon's YouTube page, please subscribe to Politicon. It doesn't cost anything. Like the episode, comment if you'd like, and click on uh, this bell here, because that way you will be sure to get every new video as it drops. I've been making shorter videos just to kind of keep ourselves up to speed with the increasingly insane pace of news, which is kind of ridiculous that I have to say that because it's been insane for a very long time now. Uh, but, you know, Donald, Donald needs to uh, stay relevant, apparently. And uh, this time around, though, it's Merrick Garland who's, who's making that happen. Very grateful for that. Yeah. Also, you can listen to the show in podcast form on Apple or anywhere else you listen. And please do give the show a five-star review because okay. it really does help other people find the show 
and uh, you know amplify the show when you can. Uh, I, I do. think it's important, uh, especially as we near the midterms, that more people um, hear the guests and hear the nerd inventors who always have such a great take yeah. on everything that's going on. And that is it for now. Everybody have an amazing weekend. We will see you Tuesday at 12 p.m. Eastern. 9 a.m. Pacific. In the meantime, please stay safe and be kind. Okay, the raid with the Nerd Avengers. This is August 10th. There are 91 days until the 2022 midterm elections. Welcome to today's episode of the Mary Trump Show Strategy Session, where we will be discussing not only what the Democrats can do to increase their margins in the House and the Senate, but also to help people understand just how Things are stacked against the Dems and what we need to do to change the narrative. I've been thinking about this a lot, to be honest. Um, The bad news on the Republican side is so outrageous and overwhelming that I would think that the Democrats could just do absolutely nothing except, I don't know, not commit sedition and they would just coast to massive margins in the House and Senate. But apparently, that's not enough. It's not enough that the Republicans are absolutely, not just imploding, but showing their hand. We are learning every day. Like, apparently something happened last night in Florida. I don't know. We might talk about it. To a person. Elected officials and people in the former administration are, to a person, corrupt and anti-American and pro-fascist. And it's not enough just to be decent to balance that out. No, the Democrats need to pass groundbreaking legislation. They need to create more jobs. The Biden administration needs to create more jobs than any administration in friggin' history, right? Uh, and still, like, there's a question. Are the Democrats uh, going to move it. change the narrative and overcome all of the things against them, which is what? A completely corrupt Republican Party and a lot of people who've committed treason. Anyway, we're going to talk about all this stuff. Danielle, Ryan, Cliff, my nerd adventures. How are you, everybody? And Danielle, I heard uh, a rumor that something happened in uh, Palm Beach. I mean, I'm not really <laughs> sure. Like, I, I don't know. Just uh, a rumor. Yeah. Any? Yeah. Did I miss anything? I don't think that you did. I mean, you know, maybe it's perhaps the fact that a former president's home was, you know, um, entered by FBI with a warrant. Because oh, you mean so they illegally cause. broke in? Yes, and broke into his safe without any warning whatsoever. No, you have probable cause uh, for what it is that the FBI did. Mm-hmm. And listen, I, I mean, we know that. Well, you know, let's let's lay it out for people, Danielle. Um, 
we've all heard the expression and it's been used to sort of justify the fact that on the surface of things, Merrick Garland hasn't done anything, right? We've all been very impatient, but we're told if you go for the king, you best not miss. What are the chances that the FBI director, Merrick Garland, and the judge who signed off on the search warrant weren't 100% certain? that what they were looking for was there and that it wasn't a parking ticket. (laughs) I mean, I I think that we have to put into context the fact that we have been looking at this Department of Justice for the last 18, 19 months at this point, right? I have been very loud on social media and on my own show about the fact that I believe that they were moving at a glacial pace, right? That we knew from several, several months back that Donald Trump had taken boxes of documents out of the White House, right? Um, And so I think that what we know about Merrick Garland is that he is meticulous uh, to the point where he does move at times at a sloth-like pace. But I do not, in my wild this imagination believe that any of these people understanding the gravity of the situation what the cycle was going to be like what the risk of violence by this violent republican party that they would risk that for nothing other than a parking ticket in a state i don't think that this is just about you know meaningless uh documents as apparently andrew cuomo tweeted out earlier today like they better let us know what kind of documents it were and i'm just like sir sit down but um but nonetheless it's i I think that we we have to understand it's been months it's been almost a year so they know that they are crossing their t's and dotting their i's and making sure that they have everything in order because as kevin mccarthy tweeted last night you better clear your schedule merrick garland and you better have all the papers and i'm like oh maybe we should ask you know for hunter biden's laptop maybe that's where the documents are (laughs) i think it's in the safe but who am i to say um Brian, this yeah. is this is kind of a yeah, listen. I I am always erring on the side of caution here. Um, somebody asked me last night, you know, how are you feeling? I'm like, um, I don't know enough yet. <laughs> I, it's way too early for Schadenfreude. Um, you know, I think Donald having a temper tantrum isn't enough, although it's fun. Um, I even I though think that that this is a big deal and. It's a huge it's deal. Not, but it's yeah. also not in isolation. This is the first time I've ever felt like things are accumulating. Like, this isn't going to wipe everything off the table. This is just going to be added into the this mix. This is just the start. Can I just say for quickly, look at Brian with beautiful Kentucky in the background. Actually, that beautiful Missouri in the background. I've been doing a story on the floods. And so I started out in Louisville, I started out in Eastern Kentucky, then went to uh, Missouri to see the people in, in St. Louis and, and have been talking with uh, Josh Hawley fans, uh, not that he has any, in, in mid-Missouri. And honestly, I got to tell you, one of the things that's really nice about what we've been doing is finding out that while there is a, a bit of pushback against uh, Biden, the Trump signs have disappeared. The Donald Trump uh, mavens have all been silenced. And yesterday's uh, actions by uh, by the Department of Justice have uh, given credence to those who want to dismiss Donald Trump and move on. And to your point, Mary, I think the most important thing that you, this is unprecedented. And while it seems to some that it was moving at a glacial pace, 
those who know Merrick Garland know, and these are people I've known for 20, 30 years who've known him that long, always described him as meticulous, careful, and he was going to have all his I's dotted, all his T's crossed. So you best believe that what happened yesterday, he was well aware of the consequences of what would go down and the kickback he'd get from the GOP and McCarthy and everyone else, and he's ready for it. And yeah. Donald Trump should be ready for it. And what he did yesterday by tweeting it out himself was the act of a desperate man. He is yeah. desperate at this point. He knows the walls are closing in. They have been for a while. Those of us who have you know, read tea leaves and, and know these people that are involved in the investigation. I mean, I started knowing weeks ago that there was something was up because every time I would talk to a, 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 one of my sources at the DOJ and we were face to face, there'd be a grin from ear to ear going, just just wait, just wait. Yeah, so we, we know it's been coming. It's where it's going that we have to be uh, cautious of and, and cognizant of. And I think yeah. that that, that rate yesterday was an indication that they're going after him for the, for the records. But what's in those records is what's, uh, and you best believe they already know. Of course they do. Those records. Yeah. And, and that the, he's still facing the January 6th committee. He's still facing right. that independent investigation. And he's got a problem down in Georgia. Yeah. So Donald let's, Trump let's, is let's, not going to run for re-election. He's going to be in jail. Okay. Well, let, let's. Oh, where did oh. Brian go? That's anyway, very dramatic. I know. That's a NC. Period. Um, <laughs> Fades of luck. Not even. Just. Oh, there he is. Okay, so first, before Cliff, I want to get to you, but first I wanted to say hi, Adam, hi, Jen, hi, George, hi, Norm, hi, Kirk. Hello. Hi. Um, so Brian said a lot that, that reminds me of things that I want to hang on to. For example, I want to talk about the situation in Kentucky and the way Biden handled it versus the way Republican leadership handled it, which is to say Republican leadership didn't do anything. Um, and when are people finally going to catch on to that? What specifically do we think is in the documents? Um, but I want to start with two things first of all uh no i want to start with one thing uh what's his name Su senator chuck schumer sorry senator schumer he's my senator i i just blanked for a second uh, he was on rachel maddow last night and uh rachel maddow asked him because this news had just broken and he had been scheduled beforehand to talk about the inflation reduction act to comment on um uh house minority asshole, sorry, uh, leader, Kevin McCarthy, who basically is accusing Merrick Garland of uh, using the DOJ as a political tool. I mean, really, has he met Bill Barr? And of threatening um, him with just using up all of the time if the Republicans take over the House to create all of these um, mock trials uh, against anybody who has dared go after the truth. Uh, Benghazi. Yeah, exactly. It'll, It'll be Benghazi yeah. on steroids to the end of power. Um, so Schumer declined to comment. And Cliff, that is a classic Democratic mistake. You need to meet these things head on with force because look at what is going on in the right wing chat rooms after last yeah. night. Well, and again, this is how we end up losing things we should win. This is why you started your show, Mary, talking about what more could we need? And the truth is, if, if the media would do its job and Democrats would message in just the most basic ways, we wouldn't need any more. We'd need less. 
but the problem is exactly what you just said. We were like, our response is, well, let's wait till it plays out. But let's be cautious. They're screaming, lock her up at rallies, you know, whenever. And I'm not saying that's right. I don't want to be a bunch of fascists like them. But you don't not comment on these things. You don't not drive the, the point home that the, the former president of the United States had a federal judge in the FBI just decide there was probable cause to raid Mar-a-Lago. You don't bring up the fact that they were demanding that Rudy Giuliani come down to Fulton County and, of course, in Georgia. And, of course, Rudy's like, well, I can't fly, which as a vampire, I thought he had wings. But, OK, maybe I'm wrong. But, OK, he can't fly because he's sick. So they're like, we'll fly the yeah, Exactly. He'll get burned. Uh, but they're like, knife flights. <laughs> they're like, we have alternative transportation for you. Like, these things are all going on. And when Democrats, and this, there are exceptions, Eric Swalwell, Ted Lieu, who are great at this, but like, most of our folks, like Schumer, in those moments, do not drive home the point that the reason these guys were there is that this guy stole classified documents, and perhaps we think, allegedly, and we don't know why else, but there's 80 billion other trials going on. And it gets me so angry because, again, we have the truth on our side, and we won't even pound that messaging home about how they're corrupt and how they're taking away your rights and all right. these things. They, on the other hand, you brought up McCarthy, but like, everybody read the Nullification Act from, 19, from 1832? Like, they're pulling oh, I just read stuff. that last weekend. Right. What, Terry what, Lake what, right now is saying that they should essentially attack federal troops that come into the state of Arizona and that they that, the, that what the feds say doesn't apply to Arizona anymore. Like, we're getting towards civil war rhetoric and, and they're inciting I'm, violence. Let me just say, I'll just, let, I, no, it's okay, I'll just finish up. Huh? Oklahoma City. I will always remember that right before Oklahoma City, it was this rhetoric attacking the feds and saying the ATF are jackbooted thugs knocking your door in and they're coming to get you and they're, they're you know, they're Nazis. And then 168 people die and 680 others are injured and a bunch of kids playing in a, in a you know, child care are wiped from this earth because a right wing radical takes their signals and goes and carries it out. Yeah. Well, look, we defund the police. Back. Am I right? I mean, it's a hypocrisy. We shouldn't be shocked by the hypocrisy anymore. It's more, Norm, the fact that it's being allowed to play out and legitimized. And, of course, this goes back to when um, I think it was the DHS, maybe it was the FBI, I apologize, I don't remember precisely, but came out with a report that showed decisively that the biggest threat to America was white domestic terrorism and the republican party squashed it because that's their fucking base so norm like we're in this situation now where these people were legitimized by a hundred percent of the the federal government for two years uh in the first two years of donald's administration and now you know we're just gonna we're just gonna let them spout their lies and their hatred and their undermining of american democracy so there there are so many points to focus on here one kevin mccarthy of course remember admitted publicly that benghazi was all about hurting hillary clinton it had nothing to do with benghazi um the second point is there's another name that ought to be mentioned here and that is jim jordan kevin mccarthy is shitting in his pants we had Matt Gates yesterday say that uh, their speaker should be Jim Jordan. And everything that Kevin McCarthy does, this is not a man with any moral compass. This is right. a man without any morality whatsoever. His mm-hmm. only interest is in staying as leader and becoming speaker if they win. And he will do anything and say anything. Having said that, Cliff is right. 
you cannot let people spouting this kind of rhetoric just get away with it because it, by inaction, legitimizes it. At the same time, we have Marjorie Taylor Greene pretty much openly inciting violence on Twitter. How is she still able to do so? Why is she not suspended uh, or removed? And this is happening all over the place. And then one point that I think we need to emphasize, and all of us should be emphasizing this over and over again, the copy of the warrant was left with Donald Trump, okay? You do a search warrant, you leave the warrant with the person who is being searched. He should be called out every minute, okay? This is unjust. Let's see the copy of the warrant. You've got it, make it public. Finally, Pash Patel, one of the leading fascists in all of this, saying, well, you know, declassified all of it before he left, except those terrible bureaucrats didn't mark them declassified. <laughs> and, of course, Cash Patel is probably one whose text messages mysteriously disappeared from the uh, Department of Defense. But let's also remind people that even if they were declassified, which they were not, he has possession of government property that he's not allowed to have. He has violated the law, period. Right. Right. And, and Jen, again, it's very difficult to square this extraordinarily fraught move. I mean, it's complicated. Ima- I just imagine the thought that went into it. And I have to guess that everybody who signed off on it ultimately did not want to. <laughs> they were probably like pence looking for a way out of, you know, uh, ratifying the election results. They pro- This is the last thing in the world they wanted to do. They had to because the evidence was so overwhelming and compelling. And, you know, we don't know what he returned and what he kept. Um, I'm guessing they wouldn't have done this for Kim Jong-un love letters. Um, but... You know, what, what we also need to keep in mind, and Donald Trump could do himself and us a huge favor by doing as Norm suggests and letting us know it's there, there are massive national security, or sorry, potential national security issues uh, that we could be looking at. Yes, and Mary, you know, our friend uh, Joyce Vance added thing to this discussion I heard her this morning on Morning Joe, the discussion around these three elements that are necessary before a federal judge will sign off on one of these warrants. And you're referring to even before that happens, it went all the way up to Merrick Garland, who, as you know, we already know by observing what Brian said, is the most careful, cross your T's, dot your I's kind of person. But let me just reiterate the three points and then add of the three elements and then add what Joyce said, which I think is really critical for us. I mean, first, um, you have to convince the judge that you have probable cause that a crime was committed. Um, then, you know, you have to also, um, sorry, I hear an echo. Uh, then you have to also convince uh, the judge that um, the location you are searching will yield evidence of that crime. And then, of course, the third point is that there's not a less um, to convince their judge, their judge that you've, you've exhausted all other means uh, for getting it, or in this case, you don't want to use an ordinary subpoena because you think the documents will be destroyed, which because your uncle has a habit of chewing 
and flushing and God knows what else with documents is easily, easily shown. We all know that. The piece that Joyce mentioned, which I found so compelling, is this idea of freshness. The information that you are bringing to the judge has to be fresh. It can't be, well, we've known he's had this for months, and now we want to, you know, go in there and search. There must have been something fresh. And so I asked myself, this is right, pure speculation. Here's a hypothetical. No evidence of this, but it's an example. Let's imagine that the suspect here was at a golf tournament with, you know, you know, the Saudis, and said, I could sell you that, and someone heard that. I mean, in other words, there's a big braggadocious person, even though he denies it, and he probably says, I got this, I got that, but I, you know, in other words, something happened quite recently that made them realize they had to go in there and get something, um, period. So that's the new thing, the freshness. Let me add my own thing, which you all know, it's the, the plain sight document. I mean, you know, once they're in there looking at stuff, if they see evidence of other crimes, they can take that. Um, so, you know, they were not in there for five minutes, despite your cousin um, Eric suggesting, you know, they looked around, <laughs> you know, looked in the cover, there was nothing. It was like Eric would know. <laughs> um, you know. They were there from like what, nine in the morning until 630 at night or something. You know, that's time. You know, so anyway, that, you know, my thoughts, Mary, are, you're right. I don't or think. Or let there be peace with Jeffrey Epstein. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. If you I keep, mean, let me just say this last thing, what Norm is alluding to, you know, He's someone who I'm sure likes to blackmail people. Oh, I shouldn't say I'm sure. It seems like he'd be the type. And where would you keep, you know, the dirt on Lindsey Graham? Where would you keep that? Would it not be in the safe? You know, I don't know. Anyway, that those are all of my thoughts. Of conversations. Well, I know that there are people. Uh, hang on, on Brian. Brian, hang on. There are a lot of us here, so let's oh, just. Okay. I, I want to. That's okay. Uh, Kurt, we just saw that the DC Court of Appeals said the House and Ways. Sorry, House Ways and Means Committee can obtain Donald's tax returns. I'm so sick of that thread, by the way. How long, How many decades have we been hearing we're going to see the fucking tax return? But the point of that is, going back to where we started, this is not, okay, this happened, let's forget about everything else. It's cumulative, and let's not forget Alex Jones's text messaging record for the last two years. Oh, can't so, wait to see that. Yeah, so Kurt, it does feel that um, not only that that there is a lot of there there, but there can also be momentum on the Democrats' side to um, make as much of this as they can. You're muted. Uh, we can't hear you, Kurt. Um, they should. Uh, you guys were talking earlier about the cautious nature of Democrats. Uh, I think what's been happening over the last 24 hours is a perfect example of that. Um, I can't tell you how many times I have heard, you know, we got to be careful not to politicize this. And to my, my report is, you know, the other guys are going to say that we're politicizing it no matter what we do. Right. We can't fight something with nothing. And if you see this ground to them and allow them to make up these wild conspiracy theories about the FBI, about the Justice Department, about President Biden, if you let that go unchecked, then we're, we're screwed. Um, you know, every single Democrat needs to be out there saying, 
you know, without even commenting on the specifics of this situation, because we don't know, we don't know what the specifics are yet, but there's nothing stopping every Democrat from going out there saying, number one, if there's something in here that's not right, Donald Trump can release that warrant anytime he wants. Number two, the FBI director was appointed by Donald Trump when he was president. Number three, this is how the justice system works. You cannot be the party of law enforcement and cops and at the same time threaten the institutions that support law enforcement and cops. It just doesn't work that way. Um, you're seeing crazy things out there. Uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene, we must you know, defund the FBI. And uh-huh. uh, you know, Kevin McCarthy threatening to launch congressional investigations targeting the attorney general. And it's like, by the way, every single time I see where Jim Jordan or Kevin McCarthy quoted, I'm wondering why the media doesn't point out these people are the same people said it was okay for the executive branch to ignore fake congressional subpoenas and now all of a sudden they want to go and use them what kind of bullshit double standard is that uh you know well that's what they do yeah exactly um you know and on top of it uh you know we still don't know after all this time the totality which this president was bought and paid for by foreign interests uh there you go that is the most disturbing element of all of this. And there is a direct relationship, I think, between the tax returns, between the classified documents, between Donald Trump kowtowing with, with, with the Saudis uh, at a golf tournament on his property. Uh, you know, how is it possible that we've allowed things to get to the point where the president and his children have received foreign money directly and have and, and are in possession of classified information, something tells me that's not a really good situation for the United States of America. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, Danielle has leave soon, yeah. so I just want to go back to her real quick. Quickly. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I would I would just add to you know to what Kurt said. It's just like we're trying to make sense for these Republicans who live on Earth too, right? They are not they don't care about the facts um of, of of probable cause, of the fact that you, the FBI just doesn't walk into somebody's home without probable cause, without all of these checklists. It doesn't make sense to them, right? They, they keep saying, oh my goodness, if this can happen to Donald Trump, it can happen to anyone. It can happen to anyone that's a fucking criminal, right? Like that, I mean, that's, that's the point that actually needs to be made, is that this is not just, you know, uh, everyone out for legal political wars. It's like, this. there was serious criminal activity, so much so that when this warrant was executed, we had no idea what it was about, because Trump is being investigated by so many goddamn people that we're like, is this Georgia? Is it, it, yes, is it this? Is it that? We had no idea. We're playing hopscotch right now, because the man is a mob boss. And so I I think that what Democrats can do is continue to say the fact that we want, that no one is above the law. So if you have somebody that is engaging in criminal activity out in the open, in the way that Donald Trump and all of his sycophants were, then, like, we want our agencies to do their job, right? The yeah. same way you wanted Hillary Clinton's emails to be reinvestigated in October of 2016, it's the same way that we want all of this to be aired out to the public. And to everyone's point, if Donald Trump has the warrant, which we know that he does, and it's foul play, then air it out to the public. Or are we looking for bamboo on balance in the same bullshit way that they were doing in Arizona and these other places? Yeah, absolutely. And uh, there are a couple of points you raised that I want to get to, but Brian, you had a quick comment. Well, uh, quickly, what Jeff said. What Roger was saying, there, 
the rumors I watch watch is in here. I'm sorry. <laughs> I can't see. <laughs> Forgive me. Wow. 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 Heard me. Heard me. So that's um, the, to the point of what you all were saying that my sources in the DOJ um, are saying that if you're looking in the direction of what he did with the information, then we might be looking in the right direction. And that's a circumspect as they're going to say. But what they're telling us is that indeed the reason why it was so necessary to get to the documents now is because there is an indication that he was going to trade them or that he might have information that could hurt the U.S. and they wanted to get to it before he sold it. So that's where we should be, I think, looking with this particular warrant and this particular search, but there are still so many other things that he has done. And you don't yeah. know if that if by executing this search, they also gathered ancillary information for the rest yeah. of the investigations that are ongoing, what right. that information is and how and where and how it will lead. The okay. ultimate thing is I think it's gonna end uh, again, I keep saying indicting Donald Trump for something sooner yeah, rather well, than that that would be awesome, uh, but George, I mean, there that that's also very complicated. I think right now, though, and and I think that there's a possibility that yeah, it's related to other the billions of other investigations, but it may be a whole new thing. Like I don't know, espionage or whatever. Um, but great. I think I want to stay with the the. Failure to push back on the Democrat, and hopefully, look, it's been less than 24 hours. There's still time. I understand not wanting to speculate. That's our job. But you know, if you're the, the head of the Senate, you don't want to speculate unnecessarily about because we don't know what is going on. We don't know what the documents were. We do know a lot of things, though. We know that the Republicans are politicizing it. The Republicans are saying these absolutely disgraceful anti-FBI, anti-law enforcement, anti-DOJ things that demand pushback. We also know that the reason, the almost certain reason that there was a search warrant is because they didn't for a second trust Donald to hand anything over. Well, I'm hardly a legal scholar or, um, you know, other than law and order, as I said last time. However, you know, we know that... the FBI doesn't go in there. It's not for nothing, as they say. This was not for nothing, number one. Number two, uh, Mary, what you just brought about uh, when Republicans cry foul, it's, it's, it's hypocritical. Somebody tweeted this word that, that they want to start using called, not to make a joke, but it's, it's going to be one, dictum. You know, like first be a dick, and then when somebody does the same thing back to you, play victim. And the word <laughs> dictum. And that's what Republicans are really good at. I love that, by the way. Who did? I just said I love that, by the way. I'd like to use it. Please, I'm not. I think it's open source. Go nuts. That's what Donald has been doing his whole life, right? Victim, exactly. Take it. Go, Meshuggah. So don't don't forget dictator. Exactly. Yep. Um, Yes. It is interesting to see, though, that from the right, like, you know, the foam on the mouth is really starting to get frothy. So to speak. As it were. And um, it, it, this heat is making them really uncomfortable. I don't see what Dan Bongino tweets. Uh, he blocked me sometimes. He blocked me. 
Yeah, I think he probably blocked all of us with his white hair. Um, but uh, he, uh, there is that, there is that clip of him uh, going around Twitter that he said something like, you know, the left thinks this is hilarious. I personally think it's great. It was the news I needed to hear after the Olivia Newton-John news. Yeah. Um, and um, it's it's all unknowns, at least from where I'm sitting. You know, mm-hmm. the fact that, as I said when I started this haywash. Except uh, when um, we started this, that they don't go in there for nothing. So it has right. to be something really major. This is all speculation. It's like trying to guess when Apple's going to release their new phone. Like we don't. We have some educated guesses based on history, but we don't know for sure. So um, you know, it would be great if there was some nice compromise on uh, Dame Lindsey Graham in that say. Um, yeah, I, you know what? I, George, yeah, we want to see it. No, but we want to know it's there. We want other people to see, um, because you know it's sort of like a lot of the documents that that uh, apparently have been seized, legitimately, <laughs> um, are so classified that they couldn't even be described in the outline of the documents that were taken. I, I mean, it's just it is kind of mind blowing. And Adam, uh, to George's point, I. I really hope, one, that it, that, that this is as serious as it feels like it must be, that it, you know, that this isn't just a, a convenient out to get Donald, to remove Donald from the board without, you know, go, going after more serious stuff. But um, I also do want it linked up with the, the stuff that one hopes is on Alex Jones's phone um, that we also probably don't want to see. Uh, if Roger Stone wants to see it, we don't want to see it, but we want the FBI to see it. And I, I want the Republican Party linked to this, because if this just takes down Donald, then we are far from victory. Yeah, I, uh, first I want to say it's an interesting picture. Um, I, I've been a reserve law enforcement officer for 14 years now. Just to think of the United States Secret Service Uniform Division stepping aside to let the FBI come in and conduct their search. I mean, it's, it's incredible, you know, to see it. We haven't seen it, but just the thought of the fact that Secret Service had to step aside, even though he wasn't there. Obviously, um, that area is protected. Um, a lot of these reports I've seen for years. You know, if you think of 2018, things we don't talk much about were the reports that he was eating sensitive documents and that he had his bodyguards rape his doctor's office. Yep. Yep. Um, McCarthy coming out suggesting that uh, uh, Mayor Garland, you know, should uh, uh, keep his records as if he doesn't, I thought was really interesting. He's saying that because Donald Trump is stealing records. Um, and I think that, you know, the question is, is Kevin McCarthy going to be subpoenaed before he even has subpoena powers again? Um, but I think the message for Democrats is simple. Um, I think that we need to say over and over that Republicans need to stop threatening the United States. Um, I don't think Americans like being threatened. Um, the GOP is threatening to dismantle this country, and I think Republicans are reminded every single day which country they're fucking with. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, Wash, uh, well, uh, Kurt just made a, a really good point telepathically, as did uh, Norm, that. Um, the idea that Biden would step on his own phenomenal accomplishment is absurd. And um, 
we, we and hopefully uh, people with much bigger platforms have to we have to make sure that the bad stuff doesn't get lost and again that it stays cumulative but that the maybe more importantly the good stuff doesn't get lost because again the Democrats have to be perfect in order to get parity right yeah, I mean, look at what just happened, right? Inflation Reduction Act, the greatest contribution to combat climate change in our lifetime. Uh, the fact that, you know, we're going to lower prescription drugs. The fact that we're actually going to tax some uh, billionaire corporations. It's a huge win. And gas prices have been coming down. And you have Dark Brandon, which is has been t- turned against itself and made Biden look cool. For the Do you first think we can make Dark Brandon a nerd adventure? Yeah, Dark, yeah, Dark Brandon's part of the Dark Avengers, Mary. There's actually something called the Dark Avengers when the Bad Avengers took over for a while. Don't let me go down the rabbit hole. I'm going to be Dark Brandon for Halloween. That but, sounds but, more fun, no effect. It is more fun. They were it, Actually, all the bad guys had much more fun. Uh, but Dark, the fact is that it is well, a way... Brian, to, this is Wash talking, just so you know. You can pivot this because, as Adam said... There is something to be said about the fact that the majority does not want to be terrorized by a radicalized minority. We do not want to be terrorized by a MAGA cult that is trying to overthrow our free and fair elections. We do not want our school boards to be terrorized. We don't want our, our health care to be terrorized, right? We do not want women to, to lose their rights. So let's stop bending the knee to a radicalized minority that throws a temper tantrum whenever the rules apply to them. And so there is a pivot here where I think the message should be, no one is above the law. You saw Pelosi say it today. Uh, there is a message here that says Republicans are attacking our freedoms. Again and again and again you see that. And this is a part where you say we elected Joe Biden because we wanted accountability. 81 million people came out during a pandemic. This was pre-vaccine, remember that? Where the Supreme Court justices were perfectly fine voting from home, but then they sent out people in Wisconsin, black and brown people, to vote during a pandemic. This is why 81 million people came out. Because we believe in the rule of law. We believe in democracy. We believe in accountability. And by we, I mean Democrats. So it is something really funny, like, oh, it's a deep state plot. No, no, Biden wants, like, everyone talk about the Inflation Reduction Act for the next two weeks. This will only inflame the already inflamed radicalized minority. You already see them, you know, jumping up and down. But I still think it's a great sign for us that the former president of the United States, uh, a person who uh, <laughs> allegedly eats documents, which is hilarious, eats them like, like, you know. Yeah, it's also in the DSM. The fact that he, you know, uh, flushes documents and eats them will never seem to be hilarious to me. Uh, and the fact that he casually thought he could just take boxes of documents from the White House, the United States is responding saying no. No one's above the law, and the fact that it shows that the DOJ and, and law enforcement, especially for Merrick Garland, so win for him also. The last thing I'll say is, especially with um, you know taking the Breonna Taylor murder seriously, uh, and, uh, that just happened a couple of days ago, which is big news. Yeah. And this, it is showing us that oh, accountability, keeping this in the news, Democrats flexing their power in the House, January 6th commissions. It is leading to something and creating a narrative that I think will be very detrimental for Republicans, which is why they're freaking out. And based on the point you just said, I think it's not just Trump, Mark Meadows, Kevin McCarthy, Alex Jones, Roger Stone. You're going to see the entire right wing infrastructure, hopefully, inshallah, come down if the DOJ does its work and follows the breadcrumbs. I think it already has, Waj. I think that, uh, like I said, in the hinterland, 
Trump posters, there are fewer Trump flags. The people I talked to that said they were Trump supporters no longer are. And the reasons why they said they were Trump supporters is they thought, well, Donald Trump would clean up the mess in Washington, D.C., that we gave him a chance. That's why I supported him. Now they consider him a liar like everyone else. Okay, but Brian, then that leaves us with, uh, what's his name? A Hitler DeSantis. So, uh, you know, I don't know. Ron DeSantis. Ron DeSantis. He's a thinner, uh, non-par excellence. But the, the, I think what it shows is that the Democrats right now have a widening and opening window to make a statement in the midterm elections. So when Kevin McCarthy says, well, when we get in, we're going to, you know, and that, he ain't going to do it. He ain't going to have the ability to do it because I think that window is opening. And I think if the Democrats play their cards right, I think they will not only cement a larger number of people in the Senate, but will hold on to their uh, majority in the House. I think that's a widening possibility every day. And each little bit, like Washington, you talked about all the bills that have passed, the actions of the January 6th committee, and then the search of Donald Trump, all of it is giving people the impetus to understand that they've been screwed and it's time to get past. And Kevin McCarthy yeah, seems to have totally forgotten and missed the what happened in Kansas last week. Well, Kevin McCarthy's an idiot. Okay, guys, I'd love to get to more. On, on hallucinogens. Yeah, well, McCarthy, Kevin McCarthy is not somebody to take seriously. He just is a, a total sycophant, and uh, he's delusional. He thinks he's going to be House Majority, uh, sorry, Speaker of the House. He's out of his mind, and he should be driven from public office, but, you know, Republicans aren't going to do that. But, Norm, you know, the other thing that, that we can't lose sight of is the fact that the FBI, the DOJ, and the Secret Service are on our side is absolutely absurd. I'm reading Carolyn Zero Fail right now, and it's just horrifying how, I mean, if you want to call them small Z conservative, I don't know, but how in the tank for the right wing, uh, particularly the Secret Service, has always been. But we also know what happened in 2016 with the FBI. Norm. Yeah, and with uh, uh, Rudy Giuliani, and I'm still puzzled as to why he has not been indicted yet, uh, especially since uh, his phones were taken in the search warrant a long time ago. Uh, but, you know, I, I thought one of the interesting developments this week was uh, members of the select committee saying that they're now uh, working on a metadata uh, on these uh, texts. And they've got reason to believe that they can work with the phone company and possibly secure some of them. And there is no doubt that the Secret Service, top officials in the Defense Department, the loathsome acting Secretary of Homeland Security, and it's even more loathsome uh, acting Deputy Secretary Ken Cuccinelli, who also have their uh, texts uh, uh, removed. If we get access to those, we are going to see just how deep the traitorous insurrectionist conspiracy went and it's possible at least with some of those including from the secret service people who were particularly close to trump uh and all of these others were handpicked by him to uh, help out in this process that will get even closer to trump along the way there's so much going on and one question we have to ask is do we have enough people we have enough lawyers at the uh, Department of Justice to be able to deal with all of these cases and all of these elements going forward. 
does the select committee have enough staff and others working with them to be able to get at it? But we're starting to see more and more layers of this onion unpeeled, and it's going to get to a putrid center before very long. Just one thing on Kevin McCarthy. There's a long string of McCarthy. There's Joe McCarthy, there's Charlie McCarthy, and then there's Kevin McCarthy. And they all have something in common. He's a puppet to Trump, just as Charlie was. He is an evil, lying force, just as Joe was. Stay away from McCarthy. Yeah, uh, well, I, 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 I'll take the dummy uh, any day. But, uh, you know, <laughs> unfortunately, I don't think he's eligible to run for Congress. <laughs> Kurt, um, there... Just not touching it, just not touching it. Oh, shit. Okay, let's move on, shall we? You know, it's it's actually not funny, Kurt. I forgot about the um, the, the, the text. I totally forgot about it. I, I And that's what worries me. Again, there is just a new... So much stuff. ...thing that is going to push the rest out of our mind. We need to stay focused, and I feel, it, you know, we, we need to stay focused and accurate on the... the bad stuff, well, you know, the stuff that's happening on the right that is potentially terrible for the Republican Party. We need to be focused and accurate on all the good stuff the Democrats are um, accomplishing. For example, the Senate didn't pass the inflation reduction. The Democrats did. Um, you know, 48 Democrats were on board with XYZ. It was only, you know, either cinema or mansion. Who are, you know, the Democrats are united. The Democrats are doing these things. The Republicans block having insulin, et cetera, et cetera. Right? Kurt, I mean, I feel like if we can do both of those things, because the clear polling averages are are not just uh, narrowing the gap between generic uh, Dems Republicans, it's actually widening in favor of Democrats. Yeah, I mean, you go back to one of the wave elections that we had back when Obama was president, when Republicans actually took back Congress. At this point in the calendar, Republicans had a 7 to 10 point congressional generic ballot uh, advantage at this point in the calendar. Right now, most polling and the internal polling that I have seen has Democrats up between 5 and 8. Like, that's a, that's a big swing. And also realize, too, that when you look at the top 37 frontline most competitive districts, that we're going to be the battleground for November. The Democrat campaigns, the candidates have outraised Republican opponents by hundred million dollars collectively. Uh, you know, we look at science and we look at history and trends. But I'll tell you, when you look at just the data on the ground and where things are at, it's very good for Democrats right now. And I would rather be. The Democrats than the Republicans. I would rather be the party that can run on getting infrastructure done, on getting support for our veterans with the burn pit situation. I would rather be the party that just delivered the CHIPS Act and revitalizing American manufacturing that's gotten uh, this version of Build Back Better, if you will, done and, and, and passed and signed into law that will be the most meaningful measure we've taken against climate change in human history versus the other guys who all they have to run on is defending domestic terrorists and insurrectionists, being against veterans, being for China, taking away uh, uh, efforts to try to make insulin more affordable for Americans, 
I mean, what the hell kind of pro-life party wants to make insulin harder to get for the American people? Not to mention just the overall issue of abortion and rights and privacy and health care. We have so many things going for us, oh, not to mention the, the kick-ass jobs report that just came out. Unemployment at 3.5%. Um, it's like, yeah, there are some issues with inflation. Fine, we'll concede that. But you know, the message there is inflation in the economy, these are all temporary things. What Republicans want to do are permanent. What they want to do to this country will be permanent. What they want to do with your rights, your bodies, you know, mandating that a 10-year-old who was raped has to take uh, carry a pregnancy to term, that, that those things are permanent. Um, we have a great story to tell. And these guys are going to be spend the next three or four months defending why their leader shouldn't be in prison. I mean, that's really what it comes down to. Um, there is a window of time that we have left. I mean, I understand. Be, if Republicans protect the rates of power, be, all of these investigations basically stop be, where boy. they are. Yep. Uh, the tax returns never come out. The, they will deluge the Justice Department and this administration with subpoenas and oversight hearings. It will make Benghazi oh. look like nothing, uh, what they are right. planning to do. So there is a window of time, and, and I have to believe that the attorney general, the FBI director, the judge who signed off on this warrant, they understand that between now and November, they're going to have to explain on some level what this was about, because if they don't and the other guys take back the power, they're screwed. Um, you know, it's, it, Why you know, are we it's calling over. for their removal? So, uh, I do think that we're going to get a lot of more information going forward. And if I were to if you're banking your future speakership on the idea that there isn't damaging information that, that, that is now in the possession of the federal government and law enforcement, uh, you, you know, you, you haven't been paying attention to how the January 6th committee proceedings have played out, how that committee so successfully was able to get witnesses, documents, all from Republican witnesses. And oh, by the way, let's not forget that when we come back in September, season two of the January 6th committee hearings will convene. And we know that even since those hearings began, this former president has engaged in criminal activity in trying to subvert democracy and try to interfere and witness tamper. Like the crimes have been ongoing. That's the, the most challenging part of all of this is that there are so many crimes that have been committed and continue to be committed. It's hard to keep track of it, but we have to do that. And we have to tell the story of Democrat successes. Yeah, absolutely. I have two spreadsheets. And, uh, and uh, Cliff, what, I, it's two and off. I mean, my God. Um, yeah. yeah. One of, what, that is one of the, the frustrations slash concerns uh, is that Donald's been committing crimes since 1973, for God's sakes. And never never anything sticks and here we are at this moment where um so he's he is using he is going to use this to stir up the base and yes and and you know play on their sense of grievance and their sense of entitlement (laughs) which is why again i think that just saying yeah we don't (laughs) speculate is bullshit because we're not talking about speculating we're talking about um fighting back first of all and secondly you know i think on the left there might be some wariness about 
taking the Republicans on because they're lying, right? And yep. all they're going to say is, well, the Democrats are lying. Exactly. I don't give a shit. We're telling the truth. You tell the truth no matter what. You say it loud and clear. Right. And constantly, right? You say it loud. You say it constantly. You answer quickly. And concisely. Right. Concisely. Kurt had, a, had some great points. Okay, now Kurt's gone. Um, but he was making some great points before about sort of the, the messages and what we can use and what we can say and how we're actually still doing really well even though Biden's numbers are terrible. And the truth is, is that it's now become a, re- a referendum on them. It's become a referendum on the Supreme Court. It's become a referendum on January 6th. But I still will say, you know, some of this, you know, some of the Biden stuff still can depress the vote. And even with his greatest reduction. Hi there, this is Midas Sech. The weekend show. I think you, you know, I just got back from a honeymoon. We were in Berlin. I'm getting, you know, likened back to, you know, the word they're describing it describes like an East Berlin situation, you know, going down, finding dissidents, trying to punish them, folding that into news about uh, the IRS hiring agents, of course, and, uh, you know, all of that kind of coming to bear in a way that is encouraging the base to fundamentally distrust federal law enforcement, which uh, is, you know, tradition. Yeah. Hardest, That's really, because we need work the fucking locking in the interest him up of citizens and the interest for of sedition. security. Because he's just going to keep on committing sedition. Was, sedition, you know, sedition fact, every day, sedition. So you fucking lock him up. At Mar-a-Lago. <laughs> Certainly not a secure Take him off of, um, uh, place you know, for it. Uh, even if we put a bracelet or whatever you have to do, anklet, ankle bracelet. Get him off. Keep him off of the internet kind of and financial transactions. And can uh, be really dangerous and can I'll personally be happy with that. These narratives that seek to undermine trust in public institutions and. Fire him from I office immediately, if not sooner, if not a fucking year, a year and a half ago, fuckers. In they were to these narratives, it makes me worry about sort of where they would take it from there, should they regain power. Um, they're mad. They're insane. The criminally insane. Of accountability, which you know, like I said, the FBI is not perfect, but it's what we've got. You know, to try to have some sort of accountability. There's an element of projection. Dealing with the terrorists. When Donald Trump was president, there was corruption because he was installing Trump loyalists at the tops of these organizations. He was seeking to you and i'm talking about this period between trump losing the election and joe biden's inauguration where there was this sudden switch out of staff which was completely unnecessary in terms of running the country but entirely necessary in terms of overturning an election there's this period of two or three weeks which you know is evidence enough in my mind that trump was trying to do something inappropriate and and potentially illegal so the projection i've heard from Donald Trump and his family, of course, Junior and Eric and Lara, you know, they're all all having a go on this subject, is that, you know, these organizations are in some way uh, not fit for purpose. But actually, since Donald Trump left office and since the inauguration, 
the independence has been returned to these organizations under Joe Biden. Joe Biden yeah, didn't know I, I mean, about you this can, raid. No, you can see that. Exactly. That's exactly what I was about to bring up, which is that you know White House staffers that were asked about this uh, by media reporters said, "Listen, we found out when you did," um, which is how it should work. Yeah. Um, Exactly. It, Hello. Know, the Department of Justice should Thank not God. be an arm of the White House. It should be an independent function. Barely, uh, barely one. And stupid old man. Really, this is like kind of how this was supposed to go. Uh, you know, the DOJ, the FBI conducted this, and it's it wasn't the White House pushing them ever. on the scale. Fuck and you, Democrats. Wasn't, you know, Joe Biden calling a huddle. Bernie Sanders is my president. Like, you know, listen up, boys. Here's here's the plan. Here's how we're going to get Trump, which is the story that they would like their followers to believe. How, how do you feel about this? These two worlds coexisting, where the world that you inhabit and I inhabit, I don't see it as being on the left or necessarily pro-democracy. I just see it as reality because there can only be one reality. But Donald Trump's orbit is very much a, a parallel universe. It's almost like they've taken psychedelic drugs because there's no, there is no logic. And, and yet, when multiple people double down, when Fox News is doubling down on something that the president has said, then that gives it credence. And so in that world, all of this makes sense. Of course, the DOG, DOJ were out to uh, get Trump and stop him from running again. And they didn't do this with Hillary Clinton or the email. She wasn't investigated. Well, she was investigated, as we know. But, you know, that's what they're saying. How do you feel in your work and in the, the thinking that you do about America and these two completely separate uh, existences? Well, I don't, I don't think that a lot of... Americans really kind of fully grasp the consequences of that. I think a lot of us know, you know, people can get in their sort of self-chosen or, or sorted echo chambers of sorts where they're just kind of hearing from people to disagree yeah, with or information to be angry at or disagree with. Um, but the effect that that has is that accountability kind of erodes. When we lose a shared sense of reality, then things like accountability, trustworthiness, uh, you know, even just object permanence, you know, say the fact that they said one thing this week and next week they'll probably say something that runs entirely counter to it, it stops mattering because they're on a different planet watching a different movie, you know, it's, you can try to play chess against because them the all Fox. you want, but ultimately, Dude, you know, people, all are fucking blind right? it's you, not even you're... the same game. Uh, been in the states for too long. Why I think that you know, as tempting as it can be to think, oh, we just need to like reason uh, with these people. All we or have whatever. to do. It, it kind of seems like a waste of energy on at this point, especially when so much is at Break up the corporate media monopoly um, and name Fox's co-conspirators. This, this sort of this January sixth election or uh, uh, insurrection. <laughs> They wanted it to be election, the election or fucking Jim Jones-like shithead president, Nazi wannabe, fucking Hitler. Look at this hypocrisy. This is evidence that imposer, imposter. Government is out of control. It's you know coming for you and your family. First, it's Donald Trump, and next, it's you know the middle class fucking terrorism that they're gonna punish and destroy for some evil agenda. The fuck is wrong with you, asshole? Put him away. It's pretty terrifying. Um. 
in the... That didn't start with Trump, though, did it? I mean, that's, no, that's something no, that's I been mean, around a long time. It's been going on for decades. But with Trump, we saw a very sort of visceral uh, version of that. You know, he reads Mein Kampf every fucking chance he gets. Of, you know, that's get the only thing he reads. Playbook by his bedside table. Alex Jones lane of just you know not even trying to back this up with any sort of uh, you know illusion of intellect or you know illusion of thoughtfulness going on, uh, but instead just a very fucking visceral Nazi and raw shit they are coming forth type of thing. And when people get scared like that, you, you know when human beings get scared, they often give up control they give up power mm -hmm. and i you know, wonder if this environment of fear could be used in the future uh if, you know republicans were to take major power again to advance some really heinous stuff that you know maybe a decade ago the republican base would have turned their nose up at but if they're really scared like that maybe they'll think you know well this is just you know maybe we don't like it but this might just be necessary to defeat this evil that's underneath our bed. We know that Donald Trump has distaste for authority and, and, and even <laughs> the system. I mean, he doesn't yeah. pay tax, right? We've seen that. They've just announced that, that his taxes now will need to be fully, fully exposed for investigation. But somebody who has that mindset of like not wanting to pay into the system, not wanting to be part of society, is going to be the first person to fold in these types of situations right because you know you you just assume that the state is over there and i'm an individual and that's built into the kind of fabric of the american constitution but if you're the president if you're the former president and you still have those views people listen don't they it's a bit like when he terrorist. talked about drinking bleach and some Throw people did to, to protect from covid i mean this echoes not just in America, but around the world. You know, there are, look at Viktor Orban in Hungary, you know, who was invited to a CPAC conference. I mean, look at the very the extremist activities that are happening around the world because Donald Trump did it first, and that gives license to other societies to collapse in the same way. Yeah, I mean, definitely it's, and this has been something that I've kind of spoken about, um, you know, in 2020, even 2018 to some degree, and then again, this cycle, we've had people who believe things like QAnon or have voiced support for things like QAnon rattled off crazy conspiracy yeah. theories, thinking about the Jewish space laser thing that Marjorie Taylor Greene made a bunch of headlines over. Uh, you know, it, it's not necessarily, you know, the risk isn't necessarily that people that have these very kind of isolationist ideas about the individual's role against government being like an adversarial thing or that believing these things are cor inherently corrupt or whatever. It, it's not as if they're going to go in and pass the like Jewish space laser bill on the house floor hmm. or anything, but they're going to have these attitudes and these philosophies um, of government while assuming a position in government and actually being in a position to kind of degrade the institutions even further. Uh, people that are trying to seek major power in the U.S., whether it's a president, whether it's a, a member of the House or the Senate, who believes that the whole project is a sham, you know, may get in and use that power and wield it in a way that, you know, is not building this country or helping people, but instead is just kind of a, a wrecking ball of sorts. And I think that was very evident through the Trump years, whether it was, you know, shutting down task forces, uh, you know, 
a tax cut to help the wealth gap split even more. Um, you know, not a whole lot that was actually really tangibly helping anybody, um, but was instead just further eroding uh, the institutions themselves and also trust in those institutions. Many of the institutions were effectively dormant. I mean, you know, the, the immigration office wasn't processing any visas. I mean, just nothing was happening. He wasn't putting people into positions. So many of these positions were unfilled and so much of this civil service ground to a halt. And, you know, that's fine if you're white and wealthy and, you know, you can weather the storm even of high gas prices, let's say. But if you are, as most Americans, are on that paycheck-to-paycheck lifestyle and are, you know, waiting for their visas or, or any, anything that relies on the states to keep them alive, life was pretty difficult during those four years. And, and my lasting memory is seeing the National Guard on the streets here in Los Angeles. You know, like seeing buildings, shops boarded up. And, and, and people, you know, in military uniform all over the streets. I mean, that is Donald Trump's America. And we don't have that now. But that was just a couple yeah, of years ago. Those. Yeah, He's it was just a couple of years up. ago. And from all your point, we've seen, uh, you know, Trump <laughs> is hoping to come back in a couple of years and give it another go. Um, but this time with you know, so much more pent-up rage and what at that point will be, you know, four, four and a half years of built-up resentment uh, within the base. So we may see Trump come in and if, you know, if, I really try not to, you know, fear monger or anything, but I do worry that, you know, all our problems will be solved as a nation when we lock Trump the fuck up. Exclamation points. You know, that clearing out of uh, Lafayette Park of protesters and then that sort of, you know, just haunting march over to the church and holding up the Bible, just really dystopian stuff. You, you know, I, I wonder if with all of this rage of telling the base voters and getting all these Republican forces in line to say the election was stolen by all these corrupt institutions, uh, you know, whether it is, uh, LGBT people, critical race theory proponents, that there's all these people trying to destroy you, like what that will justify and what they think they'll be able to get away with, and if it'll be, you know, even worse than we think back on those last four years were. I, I moved to America five and a half years ago because it was the land of the free. You know, it was there was no hatred on any I level towards Mr. minority Ass groups. Face, Nazi People, hashtag you know, it wasn't Trump. perfect, and we know and Obama, you know, did his best. And the Affordable Care Act, I guess, was his kind of Lardo, great success, but me. he could have done more for minority so groups. We know that, but there wasn't the this FBI, seething, vile anger. There wasn't parents Judge of children in school claiming that teachers were grooming. Uh, their kids and were perverts because there was a Search book in the library about LGBTQ points. plus issues. I mean, it has got, I use the word bonkers at the beginning. It's the only word I can think of. Such a great word, such a great word to describe this. It's bonkers, mm -hmm. Jared. And I, and I fear 
as you say, that if he was to return, and they have a, in their head, they think that they are the majority, right? They, they feel like that they will win, you know, 74 million votes. They really believe that they have the, the majority. Statisticians say that actually it's not the case. Yeah, no, they, they say thinking outweighs them. Yeah, no, they say they, they believe they have the majority, but then you look at what they do with gerrymandering in the states and trying to rule back voting access and make it harder for people to get to the ballots, all the conspiracy theories about voting, trying to intimidate poll workers, uh, you know, secretaries of state. Uh, that doesn't sound like somebody who actually thinks they're in the majority to me. That's just my opinion. Uh, it's somebody who sees their power... A last scream in the dark to see what, what they can forcibly grab. But it means they can win though, doesn't it? Because if you're cheating, if you are cheating at all these levels, at the legislature level and at the at the polling place level, if you're doing all this cheating and then you win because you've cheated, that gives credence to your movement, doesn't it? Yeah, it energizes. I, I mean, if if that kind of thing occurs and there's not consequences for it, the message gets sent that, oh, this works, and they'll do it again, and they'll intensify. And we've seen the same uh, recently in Brazil with uh, Jair Bolsonaro saying, you know, that the, it's, it's rigged, using the same language that Trump used. Again, this kind of repeat of, of some of these phrases. And... You know, no president in American history would ever come out and say the election is rigged and I, the only reason I didn't win is because it's it's fraudulent. I mean, these words... Because he's a fat-ass you know, This is fuck. why we elect boring politicians in an ideal world, right? Because they don't have the capacity for grandeur in this way. And, and, and politics should be boring and it should be administrative and it, it should be dull. Has America kind of just has more appetite for maybe entertainment, you know, because the, the media has done very well out of the Donald Trump movement on all sides of the political spectrum. I mean, I certainly think that is part of it. Uh, the Trump bump, as it was called in, you know, a lot of national newsrooms. If you agree, call the DOJ speech Because what do you know? More people start tuning in to see what the hell this guy's going to say, you know, today. But so in some way, there was like a dependence. There was like a almost symbiotic relationship, even if the outlets were hostile towards Trump, uh, you know, up on the editorial desk, when it came time to pay the bills, they knew that covering Trump uh, was beneficial for them. So that's certainly one aspect of it. I also think, uh, you know, the increasing blurring between the quote-unquote real world and uh, you know social media and where most of us spend our time online has also contributed to this, particularly because of what social media websites incentivize. Uh, cynicism, anger does very well on social media because Democrats. it gets a lot of attention. And then the websites go, wow, this is getting a lot of attention. I think we should give it some more attention. And, you know, well, maybe if, people if, don't if realize you have a nice, thing. boring, safe message... Democrats. Yeah. You're not going to get no one, no, one, no one cares. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's so frustrating, isn't it, that, that invariably anything that is, um, you know, extreme, extremist, is of more interest than something that is ordinary.
by definition. It could be the same in clothes. You could wear bright colors, and you will get more attention than if you wore a gray suit. Yeah, and I, I think a big part of that, too, is also just, you know, especially over the Trump years, so many people got tuned in to you know, following politics that were maybe, you know, they'd check in around elections, kind of see what was going on, learn what the issues were, and then cast a vote and tune out for another another couple of years because nothing crazy was going on. Um, it, it then turned to the United States just being soaked in a fire hose of political content. So if you want to stand out from, you know, you know, if you want to get noticed on the highway where there's 3,000 cars, having, you know, the flashiest, fastest hot rod's pretty good uh, for, for turning heads. And the same, I think, applies to rhetoric as well online. There's just so much stuff coming down the feed at any given point that things that have really extreme messages, things that, you know, producing hot takes that are just absurd and get people upset or angry or debating with each other has proven a surefire recipe for getting attention online. And because of the way the modern internet's built, attention means money. So everything in our discourse, at least online in that sense, and I would argue even in media more generally today, is incentivized around gaining and holding attention. And that means that some of the more important messages, which are admittedly boring, admittedly uh, you know, less sensational, calmer, uh, you know, more encouraging than disparaging, uh, those aren't, you know, don't get lifted up as much, they don't get as much attention or, or the same kind of gas behind them as these messages kind of build on outrage and how dare they or how dare you or whatever it may be. Is that why it's frustrating that the Democrats don't rise to this? That they, they don't fight fire with fire? That they, they show up to a knife fight with spoons? You know, there's a lot of criticism that, that actually the Democrats could be much more aggressive in their response to the way Trump uh, behaves and the way that the Republican Party behaves. And, and you, does it frustrate you that there is, or, does, or is that going to just escalate? Oh, there's obviously a strategy. It's gonna lose this all about. Poor baby Trump. Poor Trump. It's gonna lose this all about. Poor baby Trump. <laughs> same kind of style of like check this out wheeling up in the hot rod i got a hot new thing to tell you about but do it in a way that exposes the message so you know expose Best the messenger i've heard in six years exclamation never, point you know debated whether he was born in kenya or not because it's ludicrous um instead he you know printed his i remember he printed his birth certificate on a coffee mug and sold it Right, and just made a mockery of the whole thing. Yeah. And when he was asked about it, he would explain what they're trying to do, which is, you know, cast out around him being a non-white man holding the presidency for the first time, uh, and trying to engage in a, you know, racist attack against him, and, and talking about it in that way. So I think, you know, something that but that could... requires a level of intellect to understand, doesn't it? Because to use humor in this way requires you to, to have a certain level of intellect. And I think the problem now is that everything seems to be on such a base level. You know, when I hear Republicans 
making their case even in Congress. The language that they use is like baby language. It's almost the language of Trump. Small words, no, there's no depth to the analysis, there's no rationale. It's just, I hate you, you are bad, you've done this. And it's like, wow, you know, this is... Do you think it's exclusive Can to uh, America, this kind of hot rod? I love your hot rod comparison. It's a very or useful contributing um, metaphor because or something? if you look at Question very civilized societies, smaller countries, and I give you, uh, Scandinavian countries are often you know, referenced as kind of really very high-functioning societies where they have high taxation, but they also have very high-functioning services and their quality of life is very high. People are much happier on the happiness index. They always seem to do very well. Whereas countries like the U.S. are far lower down the scale. They would never engage in this kind of, you did this, you did that, I hate you, you're the worst, just, you know, saying vile stuff about the opposition because they are civilized. And therefore society might be a little more boring for some, but is much more civilized. America is not a civilized country since Donald Trump showed up. You know, that really has opened a Pandora's box of of hatred. Mm. Do you agree? So broccoli instead of broccoli. I think it's certainly gotten worse with Trump, but I don't think it started with Trump. I, I think a lot of it can kind of, you know, if, if you're going to distill it down into its purest form, it, it is the American ideal of, you know, the rigorous individual, right? Where the individual is pitted against all odds, against society, against each other, and it's this rat race to the top. And if you're lucky... Maybe you won't live paycheck to paycheck, and maybe you'll have a nice little retirement account to settle in with. Um, it, it's it's this like hyper competitiveness, this you know, honest, honestly, the kind of hyper capitalistic uh, type of philosophy. Uh, but also the falsehood of the American dream, because the the American dream is a is a it's a very hopeful ideal, but it's not a reality, and it means that. You know, I always found it amazing that people never really talk about the poor in America. You know, in England, everyone is poor. So wages have been <laughs> around £25,000 a year for the last 50 years. People do not have any money. There's no, like, old rich Brits anymore. Uh, you know, all the wealth in that? the UK comes from China. The Queen China is the richest person in the world. So we talk about poverty and we talk about uh, the unhoused. She owns like a third of the living on land in, and in, they are the, the fabric of British society, you know, and, 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 and British society is designed to be helpful to the poor. You can buy a, a can of beans for five or six pence, you know, less than 10 cents. That's, that's the, the British economy. Whereas I, I came here and I was like, wow. No one talks about the poor. Like, you know, they talk about the middle classes all the time. Huh. Never the poor. Yeah, yeah that's no, on purpose. I mean, I think that's so that the poor are invisible. Like a, a rigorous American in, The Democrats you know, never talk about the poor. Right, of, you know, they because they're corporate Democrats. Or maybe they should just get another job if they can't afford it. Or get a better job if they can't afford it. And then, of course, they turn around go get those better jobs like they did during the pandemic, you know, kick and cry that nobody wants to make burritos for $7 an hour, uh, and, you know, barely stay alive, uh, you know, working those kind of shifts, and it's, 
America tries to have it like every way it tells itself it's this exceptional country, um, but there's a lot of sort of, you know, fundamental tensions within it. And I think when we talk about this angry rhetoric, this sort of vitriol that Republicans, uh, you know, have kind of ginned up, I've, you know, I've always had the impression that they're trying to kind of tap that energy and give it an alternative explanation. It is not that, you know, wages have failed to advance to keep up with American inflation or that the buying power of the average American uh, means that it is a very, very rare occurrence in the U.S. that a single income can support a household anymore. Uh, it, you know, fails to acknowledge student loan debt, the credit card debt that a lot of people find themselves in in the U.S. Um, yeah. The healthcare corruption in yeah. healthcare, meaning that people can't afford their their co-pays. Number one cause alone, of debt, you know, the bankruptcy, of, is medical of the debt. Care. I mean, yeah. So there, there's I, all these... I see poverty everywhere here, and yeah, it's 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 kind of barely mentioned. Yeah, there's this like fundamental tension, and instead of saying, you know, you should be yeah. mad at Poor people's working uh, party, you know, the billionaires of this country for hoarding wealth and you know bending government to help them do so and getting tax loopholes written in and all that kind of stuff or you should be mad at the government for not fighting and advocating for poor people or you know even middle class people most days to be frank uh you know to say you know who you should be mad at it's the fbi it's <laughs> the globalists it is immigration these are the reasons why at the caravan bearing down on you at the yeah, border it's, it's nothing we could do um, you know, as they go back to their cigar-filled rooms with the ExxonMobil lobbyists and what be it, yeah. uh, it, it, it's scapegoating the issues onto these, you know, communities that already have it rough enough. Bernie Sanders spoke about the poor. You know, Bernie Sanders continues with the same message for the last 50 years, right? He, he has not changed his position at all. And, and he did very well in the, you know, he... he wasn't far off the, the, the Democratic nomination, but he also has a lot of critics, doesn't he? Because it's almost like, oh, well, you know, Bernie's always moaning about this. And I, I, I get this sense that it, it's kind of un-American to speak the truth about your society. You know, you'll, you'd be better off just like closing your eyes and just wishing that you were in a better place and, and that'll come true. It's a bit like Donald Trump squinting and thinking that the coronavirus was over because he didn't talk about it anymore. Mm. You know, that, 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 that sense of exceptionalism, right? American exceptionalism, widely covered, widely written about. And, and so this brings me to and a question the ugly about American whether or phenomenon. not a civilized society can exist in the United States now that the genie is out of the bottle. Do, do you think it's possible to go back to a level of civility once all of this incivility has happened? I mean, I think it has to. It's, you know, these kind of things happen throughout history in ebbs and flows, right? We are uh, on the down part of the roller coaster right now, and, you know, it might go lower. I'll, you know, we should be honest about that. It might dip down. But whether we come back up is going to be a collective decision. Um, and it's, it's part of you know, something I try to encourage people to think about. Um, you know, I, I'm not like an overtly partisan person, I guess, um, but it's for people who do care about these issues, you know, it, 
consider that most Americans are not engaged in politics. If you vote in a midterm election in the U.S., I think it's in the top 10% of politically engaged people in the U.S. It might even be higher than that. If you donate to a campaign, you're in that upper echelon of politically involved people. If you canvass, oh my gosh, you're like, you know, model student here. Um, <laughs> I do that. So, I support, um, if people I'm find the will to organize around issues to say, you know, we don't like where this is headed, we want society to agree candidate they like, whether it is taking up an issue that they support, uh, or addressing a problem, even you know, whether it's in their community or trying to build out into a national scale, it is possible. And it really doesn't take is it as possible as one might think. Um, just because they're, you know, we're seeing already the power that a small group can have. If you look at those school board meetings where, uh, you know, they're screaming about teachers grooming their children, those are groups of what, 20, 30 people? If you really cared about something, like, do you think you could get 20 or 30 people to show up at something on, like, one night to try to say something about it? I would imagine most communities could pull that off, right? So it's about finding the will. It's about kind of, you know, opening the political imagination. And as scary as this moment can feel, not letting fear paralyze us. Um, not letting the threat of extremism, which is very real, is very rising, needs to be fought to the nail. Paralyzing. We should not be bystanders in our own country. And as long as we can muster that, I think we can return to a better place. Um, but it's going to take a lot of work from a lot of people, uh, and it, it, it's going to require people you know, collectively that are in the majority that support democracy, that want to see the world get better, that you know want to help immigrants to this country, support same-sex marriage, support women's rights for, to, you know, seek uh, reproductive health care, that sort of thing. You know, stepping up and taking up some space and representing those issues as the majority causes that they are. Um, because some of this, you know, these extreme ideologies, these extreme positions that we're seeing spit out uh, in our politics right now that's contributing to this dangerous environment, do not represent the majority of Americans. And, you know, with enough organizing, with enough gusto, in theory, should be easy enough to defeat. And it needs to be, I mean, you're talking about Americans, right? You're yeah. not talking about Democrats. You're not talking about Republicans. You're talking about Americans. And I think maybe this is where the debate often hits a wall because people are so identified with their party. And that really kind of doesn't, it doesn't really sit right with what you've said about engagement. Because if there's so few people engaging in politics, why do people sense or why do people have this desire to identify with the two-party system? And if we saw ourselves all as Americans rather than one or the other, I mean, I, I'm not an American, but I, I am a permanent resident and I have the right to remain, And but I don't get to vote in elections. But I have assimilated into American society. I, I, I love it. I choose to live here. I have uh, a child with an American passport. 
because he was born here. Uh, some might call it my anchor baby, which I think is a little inappropriate, uh, seeing as he can't sponsor me till he's 21. <laughs> so I've got a while to go. But I, I, get a, I get the sense that people still might not be able to intellectualize that this is not about politics. This is about society. This is about a civilized society and that it takes Republicans to recognize that there is incivility in Donald Trump and this extremist rhetoric and that they don't want that. Now, there are a few Republican groups now that are, you know, making the Lincoln Project and the Trump first and kind of come forward and say, look, we are Republicans, but we believe in civilized society and not this extremist talk. Yeah, it's... Uh... I mean, that's certainly, like, something that has to be confronted. The, the people who could make the most impact against extremism on the right are Republicans. If the Ted Cruz's of the world, the Josh Hawley's of the world, Jim Jordan's of the world are, go down a list for half an hour, if they said, you know what, screw this, we're not doing this, you would change overnight, you know? Well, Lindsey Graham said that the, the, the day of the insurrection, yeah, and then they, right? they, they the, the day, and then and now he's flipped back. Yeah, they capitulate. Um, it, it's not really even about like ideology anymore. It's it's kind of hard to understand what the Republican power or the Republican Party on the federal level really wants. Anymore. I mean, they have their agenda items, but they don't seem interested in, in debate. Um, but that's kind of elected officials. I, I mean, I was. Because they're fucking infiltrated you know, by white supremacist the right terrorists. Because right I, I don't want to think that most Americans have actually devolved into, you know, political savages, savages cavemen, right? That yeah. are like, yeah. bull, 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 this bad, this good. Um, you know, yeah. I, I like to have more faith in humanity than that, um, and, and my fellow man. And I think most people are behave in ways that they believe are sensible and rational. Um, so it, it's just a matter of getting, you know, maybe trying to have these conversations outside of polarized environments uh, and, and trying to reach common ground there. That could be, you know, one idea, one 
potential thing to think about uh, for people who have a hard time imagining any sort of bridging company. And of course, uh, I'm, of course the dining room I, table is one of them. Yeah, and of course, I want to add your organization when this happens. Yeah. For their um, activities, their criminal activities. You know, the they orchestrated an insurrection, so fucking uh, defund the, uh, defund them. Meeting those disagreements and saying, Break them up. Well, that just means you're evil. Um, you know, uh, again, name I think most Fox people, like, you while of, you're at it. you know, a tense environment and really sit them down and try to talk to them, um, will be able to find, like, some compromises on people. Human beings are generally built to do that. Because life is nuanced, isn't it? And politics is nuanced. And it, and it is not binary. And and I, I guess that that's what the Donald Trump effect did. It made everything very binary. It was very kind of the lowest common denominator. You yeah. know, build the wall. Well, that's what happens. Up, you, very kind of binary You allow a fucking Nazi to become it, president. And it works. You know, it, it bought now into people's know. appetite to, to so despise the state and to not to want fucking to pay tax and all these things. And, you know, draining the swamp was a very clever marketing ploy because, you know, Trump... He didn't even like it at the, first. You know, he's the one who is, who is being critical of these, uh, you know, established Yeah, he's seen uh, as an outsider. And, and that in so itself he, is, he, is quite... You notice that works. Behavior. People yeah, like that I mean, expression. I mean, once so you become the president, I'm sorry, man. You're kept saying he didn't like it at first. Yeah, he right. said... I just want to go back to um, what actually happened in this uh, search, uh, because the Washington Post on Friday cited people familiar with the investigation saying that uh, nuclear weapons documents were thought to be in the trove of FBI, uh, that the FBI was hunting in the uh, Mar-a-Lago resort. They didn't specify what kind of documents or whether they referred to the U.S. arsenal or another country's. Um, and of course, you know, Merrick Garland got up and did a did a number on Trump effectively. I mean, people are saying that, that Merrick Garland did a, made a very clever move here. Um, yeah, let's, because let's he needed all to see silence all of the critics because Trump effectively lied about what happened. You know, he was issued with the warrant, his lawyers were there and they took hold of the warrant and this was conducted in a very respectful manner. Nobody needed to know about this, did yeah, they? Yeah, with mean, the kid gloves been, on. They could have waited until the investigation was complete and any charges were made before they started criticizing, but they're always on the attack. And, the, and that's going to leave them with egg on them. Deflect, deny. Is, um, you know, they're calling for this warrant now to be... Gaslight. ...exposed, the opened up. Very unusual during an active investigation.
we could show people what we were doing. Would you like us to do that? And now, uh, you know, they're like, oh, well, sure. Well, Trump messaged on that. Uh, and, and Friday. Friday. He's now saying, show, show, show the world. You know, he's now saying, you know, open, open the film. He's now very much in a position where he knows he's on the back foot, so he wants to kind of show that he's got nothing to hide. But actually, that could backfire because the FBI are not going to do a search of Mar-a-Lago without just January 6th, yeah. Hello. These people are trying to start a civil war, stupid assholes. Lock them up. 
Uh, yeah, and it's You're emboldening the them. Opponents They're emboldening. The You're doing supporters. nothing. Um, Sucking in. You know, uh, and I we spent, Country. you know, the second, as soon as the suspect's name was out, we went out, started archiving what we could find. Uh, there was a Truth Social account, uh, Truth Social being the president's own social media application. Uh, we found a Gab account. That was Nothing really there. A Rumble account, turn the video site, uh, and a Twitter account. That's sort of mainly what we worked our analysis off of. And the Truth Social account, uh, you know, it was made uh, in April, I believe. Um, it was mostly commenting, but after the Mar-a-Lago raid, um, this individual who was already using quite violent language, you know, really started going mode, saying, you know, this is the end of the line, this is, you know, the corrupt government, and you know what, if no one's going to do something, I'm going to do something. And he even posted, you know, he went and he <laughs> tried to enter uh, the FBI facility. There's a visitor screening center, he went in, uh, fired a nail gun, apparently, which I believe now may have been an attempt to break bulletproof glass. Um, Bulletproof glass is also nail-proof, in case anybody wasn't clear on that. And <laughs> given that he didn't have an air compressor, it was an electric one. So it's, uh, I used to work at a home improvement store in college. I know way too much about this stuff. But, uh, you know, he sat. That didn't work. An alarm went off. Some agent showed up. He, you know, split out of there. And before the cops caught up with him, went on Truth Social again uh, and posted... Yep, it's true. I tried to attack the FBI building, tried to, you know, shoot through some bulletproof glass that didn't work. If you don't hear from me, it's because the FBI got me. And, you know, there we go. And then the post, like, cuts off suddenly. Um, then he gets in this long standoff, refuses to surrender. Bomb squad gets called. They send a little robot out there. To put this online? Why the fuck didn't the law enforcement? And then, uh, according to some reporting, I guess he raised a weapon. Raise a red flag for law enforcement. He's stating things online. Terroristic activity. Don't we pay for this shit? It's because law enforcement is infiltrated by these same people, assholes, fucking white supremacists, Trump supporting Nazi loving. Motherfucker. There has seemingly been no remorse, no even real acknowledgement who. Uh, you know, if this Washington Post reporting is true, uh, you know, try to characterize the retrieval of nuclear secrets as some kind of Gestapo, Nazi-era-esque invasion of political persecution. Well, you mean like when they, you when know, they uh, motor down some... any remorse, and this guy went out there, created a very unsafe situation. Who knows what he would have done if he had gotten through that you know, screening center. And I mean, he was prepared to die, wasn't he? This was like a suicide mission by the sounds of it. This is a guy yeah, who was so um, completely okay, in the cult of Trump that he was, you know, he, he, he wasn't thinking straight, right? He went into a situation where the odds were that he was not going to come out of this alive and he posted about it on social media while he was doing it. I mean, is this, not, is this event not an, a, a metaphor for... This entire, uh, you know, mess, this whole thing of like, this is what happens if you lie about the civilized society that you're in, if you lie about law enforcement, if you lie about, about these constructs that are in place to keep us safe, 
that you will end up not being safe, that society will not be safe, that society, this is the collapse of society in, in, in one meme. Well, it's, I don't know if I would go as far as collapse of society in one meme, but like it, what it very clearly shows to me and what I hope is makes evident to everybody who observed that situation is that when political leaders, when major media figures and outlets engage in conspiratorial, violent, and hyperbolic rhetoric, you know, it, you know, sometimes if there's a central event in other contexts uh, available, you might say something like January 6th, but when you say things like that, people will believe you. If people trust you, they will believe you, and if, it, if you say it loud enough and get it to enough people, um, and fill so many people's heads with this, you know, these violent desires, these, these, this hopelessness and belief that the world is collapsing, people will believe you. And it's just a numbers game that somebody will, out there will feel compelled to act on. You know, even if it's point zero 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 one percent of society, you put this message in front of hundreds of millions of people. Um, it's as unfortunate as it is. It's really not terribly surprising that something like this has happened. Terribly surprising. I mean, Stop really, all pudding. I can think to do is just, you know, hope and pray that we don't see repeats of something <laughs> like this. Well, it happened on January 6th with Ashley Babbitt, of course. She was turned into a, a martyr. She got caught in the crossfire at, at the uh, U.S. Capitol. Uh, we know, and there were yeah, multiple yeah. deaths at the Capitol. And some of were from, you know, heart attacks suicide i mean there's been there have been you know and caught yes yeah. what about these caught? events cannot exist without you can you can mention some the fucking damage riot or my fear is from what was posted terrorists. on Truth social yesterday about without mentioning you know, last time we went with flags this time we with you know more serious weapons they are calling for civil war this is this phrase civil war is being used time and time again by by people in this echo chamber and they do have weapons i mean it's not as if they're then they're unarmed they all have them at home the, the lawmakers pose with them for their christmas cards so you know i, I recognize that you don't want to accept the, the collapse of society because you are an american but i am telling you as a european <laughs> that that this is the collapse of a society um and i i feel that my my perspective is um going to be different because i am you know I, I i wasn't born here i choose to live here but i wasn't born here and so it's easier for me to recognize and to see what's happening and i do think it's harder for people to to acknowledge what's happening in their own backyard yeah i mean i can certainly appreciate that it's uh and i and i don't mean to come across as like denialist or like you know, putting horse blinders on or anything. Well, I, maybe I you're just being exceptionalist. I mean, you're entitled I, to be. I would like to think of it as uh, optimistic. I, I guess I just, I just don't, I just, I just don't want to give up. If that makes no. sense, you know, I'm well, not. I'm ready. not suggesting I'm, you should yeah. give up, but I'm just saying that you can't tackle a problem unless you recognize what it is. And and, and you know, homegrown extremism, which you are an expert, is now happening. You know, the, we, we don't even hear about shooting. 
don't involve more than two or three people, right? They're happening every single day. This, this is an uncivilized society. It just does not get publicized as much. Captain Black is I am Samani Chikan. And he just recently narrowly escaped being poisoned. He recently drank some acid, muriatic acid. recently ate some muriatic acid and almost died. Captain Black is the Samani Chikan and he almost died recently when he ate some muriatic acid.
Introducing Captain Black.